0: welcome to D program with Carrie Smith. This is a new channel. If the algorithm brought you here, please hit like, and subscribe. Uh, This is a very special episode. This is going to be out. If you're watching this live, it's going to be out with a live chat on Saturday. Um, And it's a really special episode. I'm here with some parents from the grapevine Colleyville independent school district in Texas. There's a lot of concerning stuff happening in that school district. And I've brought Mario Cordova and Aaron Rowan here today to talk with me about it. Hello, guys. Hey,
1: hey, you. Hey, Thanks for Glad being to be here. here.
0: So I just want to start. You guys sent me a packet, and it's got everything in it. <laughs> it's it's all the all the issues and what people are calling like the hot button cult- cultural issues. It seems like all of this is going on in your school district you guys have divided it up into three sections. And so the first section is dealing with sort of targeting of conservative Christian parents, in a way. Um, Do one of you want to talk about that? There was a clip in here that you included that I think some people are familiar with because it went viral.
2: Yeah, so um, everything here in this packet are things that we've kind of uncovered pretty much over the last year. So, um, so, but specifically, this is one of the more more recent stories, uh, this story probably would have gone national if it had been framed uh, from a different angle. And what I mean by that is, uh, this teacher here, you know, she's well known. It's out there, Lisa Grimes. Uh, she, uh, did make herself famous here locally by, uh, saying in a, in a rant that, um, conservative Christians need to die. They need to get COVID and die. And, you know, the thing is, I mean, she was, a a 15-year tenured teacher in GCISD. She taught eighth grade English. And, um, and that's, that's kind of the, the bottom line of it. But, um, but this is a, kind of just a toxic work environment that is pushing woke ideas. And so uh, it didn't work out so good for her as, as a student. They'd end up getting her on camera at this, but, but that's kind of the story in a synopsis.
0: Can we? Do you guys mind? I'm sure some people have not seen this video yet. Do you guys mind if we try and show it? I know that it's hard to hear, but I think it. Do you mind if I put that on the screen?
2: I'll go right yep. ahead.
0: Now she said this with an earshot of students as well.
2: Yeah, that's correct. This was like a, an open hallway where there's you know faculty and students all in the area, and and really she just had no regard for. Uh, it's almost like she was just comfortable enough to say whatever she wanted to uh, without regarding whoever would be in
0: earshot. Okay, I'm going to play this. Okay, so she said, I'm telling you those conservative Christian parents, they need to get COVID and die. And then boyfriend lady says something. And it's hard to hear. It's like, I gonna see my boyfriend like, shut up. And then, so she repeats it. That's awful. Yeah. Uh, um, I saw some video footage of a school board where, uh, there was a parent, actually, I believe it might've been, was it you Mario? There was a parent who was talking about how this surprisingly wasn't very shocking.
2: Yes. Yeah, so um, if if she had said this about uh, about blacks or about Jews or about, um, you know, in, any other way, I mean, this this may have made national headlines. But because it was against uh, conservatives and Christians, I mean, it, it only made you know, local headlines in the area. It didn't really get picked up at a national level. So, um, you know, just it didn't fit the, the larger narrative. And so people here regionally knew about it, but uh, maybe a few people in the Austin area. I think I had some people email me about it. But I mean, that's really it didn't get didn't get very far.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it reflective of the attitude in the school district towards parents, in your opinion?
2: So, in my opinion, maybe across the entire district, maybe not necessarily, but there are pockets of this sentiment throughout the district. Um so, yeah, that's that's kind of what I've come to know.
1: Yeah, the fact that she is in the common space, uh, speaking very publicly, um, this kind of idea, I mean, it just says that whoever may have heard her, she wasn't concerned. Um, so pervasiveness is, uh, you know, undetermined just by the video alone, but you can certainly see that she's t- telling other people, other teachers, you know, her ideas. Um,
0: yeah, she almost seems proud about it. Um... Okay, I'm going to pull this packet back up. Let's see. Because I want to hit as much as we can. And I know I have a limited time with you guys, but let's just go through it. And you can pick out, for me, some of the things that you think are most important. I really hope this video, for anybody who's in the Grapevine Colleyville District and is not sure what they think about um, the candidates or the upcoming election, there is an election that starts on April, early voting starts on April 25th, and it goes through May 7th is Election Day so um i want to go through the things that you think are most important here for people to know
2: yeah Um, and and i'm also going to add that um while this video it's going to have a visual of the packet this packet is going to be readily available for people to get access to so that they can read it themselves and so but i appreciate you highlighting a few things that we want to shed some light on and this page here is a great place to start um a lot of us Parents came together sometime uh, during last election when there was a runoff, and we just kind of met each other through common interests. and And Doctor Whitfield was was the um, the singular piece at the time that we were zoned in on because he he was very uh, very aggressive activist a principal that was pushing Black Lives Matter and critical race theory. He was able to rally uh, a group of other uh, supporters, teachers of sorts, that would all come together behind him to help push his agenda. So uh, some of us came together, and we'd seen this, and we wanted to see what we could do to kind of shed light uh, on Dr. Whitfield and, and his agenda. And uh, as a result, I mean, things just kind of worked out that he ended up uh, leaving the district. He's still on payroll for maybe another year or so, but but at least uh, he's no longer you know active active on campus. Now,
0: so. this principal, uh, I saw him in the news before um, I started talking to you guys because he did what I've noticed people tend to do when they're pushing this ideology um, and they're called out for it. He, he was pushing critical race theory, or at least the tenets, the, the conclusions oh, yeah. of critical race theory in, in materials, in an email to parents, right? There was one in mm-hmm. an email that he sent out. Correct. Um, and then when he uh, he made the news because he was put on leave, and he claimed racism, that this was the fu- that he was put on leave not because of what he was saying, but because of the color of his skin. And when I, I found that when people make that allegation, it's such a serious allegation to to claim racism, and we used to require evidence of it because it, it, it i think what happens when you make that allegation you you belittle you belittle something horrible and serious like racism if you don't if if you're just claiming it without that 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 evidence and he didn't offer any of that he didn't say here are racist comments here's the examples it was just um i just i just i found him to be very disingenuous i actually have a clip of him can we play this clip
2: yes uh, Yeah. go ahead
1: These people want to limit that to a certain type of student. And if you listen to them, uh, where a lot of this took off was at the July 26th board meeting. If you listen to their words that they had to say in open forum, they'll tell you exactly who they are about having school for. And that is if you are a white, Christian, straight person.
0: Is that true?
2: That's yeah.
1: critical
2: race theory. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what he thinks. And, um, and unfortunately you were uh, you know, well, I guess, fortunately or unfortunately, um, you know, since he's moved on, we've been able to kind of tackle this head on, you know, shed some light on it. And, and now we've got momentum, you know, behind, you know, people understanding that critical race theory has been present in our district. But yeah, that, that is, that is his take. Um, after, you know, playing the, the race card and, you know, what he thinks uh, that we think about the district.
0: When I say, is that true? I think I'm being, I mean, I'm being facetious because it's, I don't see any parents in these, and I've watched quite a few of the clips now, of parents in your, in your district at these board meetings. I don't see any parents standing up there saying, we want education to be for white Christian students only. And that's so patently offensive to make that claim um, and dangerous. I think it's dangerous to make that claim. Yeah. Without and any evidence.
2: It is dangerous. I mean, but they, they will play any card they can. I mean, I'm, I'm Hispanic and I've been called racist, you know, you know, before, you know, just, just after getting involved, you know, with these other parents, you know, towards trying to combat critical race theory and, and these things I've been called racist, which is, you know it's just unbelievable but they uh they will they will not hold back they will not pull their punches
0: yeah so i i don't know if you guys know a lot about my background but it might be worth talking about just for any if there's anybody new who's watching this especially any parents who are trying to understand it um my background is i i was a liberal um but i and i i still consider myself a liberal but what happened to me for two decades for about 20 years after i i went to i went to duke university i first encountered a lot of this social justice stuff and kind of got pulled into that belief system and it's it's not a liberal belief system it it, it sells itself as one it sells itself as something progressive um but it's it's really different if you dig down to the roots of what the the basic tenets of belief are and i'm bringing this up because the next two pieces in your in your uh, packet deal with sexualizing children um, and with critical race theory. And uh, at first glance, I think parents might wonder like how are these things connected? And the way that I describe it, having come out of that, that belief system is, it's like an umbrella and underneath it, they have all these different uh, categories of identity. That And so they've got, I went in through the feminism door, the women door, they have the gay and lesbian door. They have the race door. Um, they now have the fat door. Uh, so if you're fat, you're oppressed. If you're not, <laughs> you're the oppressor. So they have all these different identity doors, but it's all apart. It's all under this one uh, umbrella of, of ideology. And what the ideology tells people is it says the best way to look at the world is as a competition for, for power between identity groups. And it divides every identity group, much like Marxism did into oppressor and oppressed. It divides them all into oppressor and oppressed. And it says we have to redistribute power so everything can become equal. And so what does that mean? That means we have to redistribute. We have to take power, take things from from people who are in so-called oppressor groups and give it to people who are in oppressed groups. And, And this is the underlying beliefs that are pushing all of this out. It used to just be... I encountered it in like i said I, I first encountered it in college in the late 90s but now it's in uh k through 12. it's even in texas um can you before we get back to the slide can you just tell me when did you because i'm i'm always curious about how people first encountered this belief system um when did you guys first come in contact with it if you wouldn't mind answering that like what was the first concerning thing
1: yeah well i'll take i'll take this one first because uh you know i the, the whole Whitfield debacle is the kind of the catalyst for me in getting involved there. When I saw that, I started looking at, you know, is GCISD, the Great Grapevine District, a racist district um, based on what he's saying? So I really um, had a, a kind of a, a tentative hold on what CRC was. But once I started looking to see if we were, what is, you know, critical race theory? What is he talking about, right? And applying his um, narrative to the district and I learned that no, we're not. What he's saying is a critical race theory and that that it's a uh, it's a belief system that, you know, uh, you talk about evidence, right? Just the fact that we are white is the evidence um, that we are racist, being that it's a belief system Um, and that we as white people have created this society uh, for the benefit of ourselves. So that's really what I saw as critical race theory in the district. If he is saying that we are this way, he is a leader of a school, then there it's all top top down from there. Um, so that's my direct uh, evidence that started me getting looking into it. But then, of course, once you get into it, I mean, I know that we have, um, at least locally, brought so much evidence to the f- forefront. And Mario, if you want to jump in there and kind of detail some of the specific evidence. But, I mean, when you see it at a, at a, at a top level, you know it's not just there, right? Um, it's all throughout. Well, well you, t-
0: you touched the iceberg on the CRT issue, and then you saw yeah. all this other stuff. Yeah, Carrie- Kerry.
3: Talked- yeah.
2: For me, it was um, what, when I saw like the identity wheel sometime last summer, uh, my kids, um, you know, are, you know, brown and then they're white. So are, they're going to fit into two, you know, categories. Are they the oppressor and the oppressed? I mean, which side are they going to more side with Is You know, I've got one that's darker than some of the others. So is he going to be uh, the oppressed and the other brothers are going to be the oppressors? I mean, uh, so, I mean, my kids are being divided just based on their color, just because one, uh, one or two might be darker than the others. So, uh, to me, that started, to, you know, hit home in our household, and immediately I knew, you know, mm-hmm. from seeing the Whitfield trainings that he brought to the teachers um, that we'd seen in the past, I knew this this has no place in our education system. And if there's anything I could do. To get involved to make a difference you know that's that's what i wanted to do but for me that's how personal it became so um i do want to highlight because you you touched briefly on the sexualization of our kids
0: let Um, me pull this back up yeah go ahead
2: yeah so yeah you can move to the next slide Um, you know slide four it says uh inappropriate sexually explicit books uh the kite runner i mean by this point i think kite runner is as uh you know made some headlines here and there. It's a book that we've been trying to get out of the district for some time. Uh, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, before I ask that question, let me, let me hit on some of the, the highlights here. Um, uh, or maybe I should say low lights of this book, but we've got excerpts here that you can read, you know, all the way through, but you've got uh, the part of a, a mother being raped. Um, you have the selling of child sex slaves. A boy rapes another boy, and then you have a pedophile who plays with a boy, and then you know this one small scene about the rape aftermath, as far as what they deal with. But um, but you, you got to ask yourself, what educational value does this book have, you know, in you know in in our schools? I mean, th- there's got to be other books that can still convey some educational value without, without having to to have kids read. This this graphic sexual violence on kids, um, you know. So uh, we've been working to try and get this out. I think originally it was a ninth grade book, and they've they've moved it up to um, to twelfth grade now. And and that's that's been the trend that we're seeing. There's another book that was an eleventh grade book. They've moved to twelfth grade. And so now what's happened is once you get to be a senior, now you have the choice a choice of all this filth that you could potentially read. Um, but I, I encourage people to take a look at some of these excerpts that are, that are in this, this book here.
0: There's another clip from your district that went viral, uh, and that's a parent, Amanda, Amanda Kay, who's talking about this book. I'm going to play just, just hers. There's so many different ones to choose from, but I think this really makes the point.
3: The district has allowed highly questionable, disturbing, and violent sexual content into required reading. The book titled Kite Runner, with a central theme of rape and violence, is currently being required for ninth grade English class to read right now. The central act of the novel is about this scene. Aseth knelt behind Hassan, put his hands on Hassan's hips, and lifted his bare buttocks. He kept one hand on Hassan's back and undid his own belt buckle with his free hand. He unzipped his jeans, dropped his underwear. He positioned himself behind Hassan.
1: Excuse me, ma'am.
3: Yes.
1: I mean, we're transmitting this meeting to
3: You're everybody. requiring ninth graders to read
1: I understand, book right but now. I understand, but just the language, it's not going to be
3: appropriate. Uh, exactly, that's my <laughs> point. I understand. I understand, <laughs> I, 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 but fine. remember that we have ele- elementary... Please,
1: we have elementary school kids listening to this meeting. I mean, we understand the book. We understand the, the, is the, the title. We know the title. We don't need to go and read it. You understand? So we can just we can just report it, go to the school, and just talk about it. But we don't need to be reading stuff that is <laughs> appropriate for a small elementary school kids that might be listening to this meeting. Please. Okay. So I won't
3: read any more from the book. But that scene is about a 12 year old boy getting raped by a 17 year old boy while another 12 year old boy is watching. Um. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you get it too.
0: <laughs> I mean, you have to laugh. He makes the point for her. This is inappropriate. This is inappropriate. And then I love the fact that he says, We know the title, we don't need to go and read it in no a need meeting. To go read it in a meeting about determining if kids should be reading it. It's,
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: So, um, and people get hung up on, you know, are you guys, you know, in the book banning? And uh, so we want to make the point that we're not, you know, banning books, you know, for kids. We're banning, you know, porn, you know, with kids. I mean, here you've got, um, you know, another boy being raped, you know, by, another minor while another one watches. I mean, it, it's, it's straight up pedophilia and you know, we, we do not need this type of stuff in the schools anywhere, whether it's ninth grade, whether it's 12th grade, it just needs to be out. I mean, I've, I've talked with parents um, that read this book, you know, when they went to uh, when they were in high school and, and they, they were talking about how traumatic it was for them to read it then, uh, you know, and, and they, they recall just what it was like. So um yeah th- this is this is a book that needs to be
0: uh,
2: just straight out gone um, well
0: in the in the um, public library, this book is in the adult section. It's hmm. not in the children's section and and to your point about not banning books, no one's talking about removing this from public libraries. it's It's in government public funded schools should this be in curriculum for children? the government saying children are required to read this as part of curriculum. And yeah, I think yeah. that. Yeah,
1: well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know why we would need to represent uh, such vile sexual violence uh, in our schools. I mean, and really, I, I go back to some of the uh, the uh, critical uh, literary theories that some you know people point to as to you know it, it teaches something about the about the book about the content. But you know what uh, critical uh, literal theory um, is limited by replacing these obscene materials uh, with something you know more academically focused. Um, you know, some, maybe something more virtuous. You know, if if we are the arbiters of virtue, the community, you know, why, why would you want to continue to go against the community? Um, You know, is the, or is the state, or is the state the arbiter of, of, uh, you know, of virtuous content? And they say that it's good. Well, I mean, I guess I'd have a problem if the states tell me what's good and what's not.
0: Yeah. I know in some states there are already existing laws. So in in South Carolina, for example, which is that's where I'm originally from, uh, I have a friend who's a parent who's been part of the campaign there f- successfully in some cases to remove certain pornographic books from the school library for children. Um, and and she was pointing out that in some states, I'm not sure about Texas, but in South Carolina, there are already existing laws that it, it, it's illegal to provide minors for adults to provide minors with pornographic material. So does it matter? How, how does how do how do they get around that by having a public school do it?
2: Um, well, unfortunately, they <clears throat> there's a law that that permits um, schools to get around it. I think they um, pornography is is OK as long as it's for educational purposes. And uh, so that's that's kind of the the law that allows them to, to get by um, as long as it's for educational purposes, it's OK. Uh, the thing is, like, if, if a book is deemed obscene, then then uh, it cannot be permitted in the school. So it's um, so we're working on make sure that people understand um, the content of these books, that they are obscene um, in, in addition to pornographic. And and uh, but we're hoping that there is, are some legal changes to that. But we've just got to work you know, around the laws that are currently in place, but we just need to put pressure, you know, on the administration. Uh, the more parents that speak out, you know, really adds this pressure to the administration, to the school board where they, they have to make these types of decisions. Um, so now, now you, you've uh, moved on to this next page here, which, um, this book really got me with some of the excerpts that, that are highlighted. Uh, I'd encourage people, I mean, it's a tough read, but I encourage you to read uh, all excerpts on this page so you understand what we're talking about when it hits, you know, incest, rape, pedophilia, and suicide. But I know, Carrie, I asked you if you just take a moment and read that excerpt from page 181 so that people can get a real glimpse of what's going on here.
0: Yeah, and this is, I'll have to say, this is one of the ones I was conflicted on in the Bluest Eye, Toni Morrison. I remember reading that book when I was younger. Um, I say younger, meaning I think I was in my 20s. I I'd, And I enjoyed the book. Uh, and when I saw it on the list, I was thinking, eh, why are they going after that book? And I had not read it in so long. And so reading these excerpts, I completely understand now. You guys changed my mind on this book. Uh, there's a number of, of a, I would argue, obscene excerpts that you guys have highlighted. But this last one on page 181 is, Um, This is a pedophile who's speaking in the book. He says, the little girls are the only things I'll miss. Do you know that when I touched their sturdy little tits and bit them just a little, I felt I was being friendly. If I'd been hurting them, would they have come back? They would eat ice cream with their legs open while I played with them. It was like a party. Uh, Yeah, Yeah,
2: it's it's disgusting.
0: I, I do have issue with that uh and and and, like I said, this is when I think sometimes people they they maybe read these books when they were young adults and they have fond memories of the book. It doesn't mean I don't like the book <laughs> but but when they're confronted with actually what's in it, it's like, is this appropriate for a public school for the government to put in curriculum for kids and say that kids must read this? and at the end of the day, I don't think that's I don't think that's appropriate. I think that's a parent's- decision if their child is gonna read something with adult content.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a banned book. It does not need to be an educational book.
0: Yep.
2: Yeah. So it has uh, no moral or redeeming uh, social value, you know, in the the school systems at all. Um, So I think uh, Aaron, we were talking about this book earlier um, and you were making the point about uh, about sexual violence, you know, with minors. Do you want to hit on that? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, well, the, the I'm trying to remember the uh, um, well, mean, it was really no, I, I see, no, I see what you're saying. No, so we were talking about how pet, the difference between pedophilia, um, and, and you know, homosexuality, you know, LGBTQ, that movement, LGBTQ. Q movement is really a label applied to sexual attraction between the same genders, right? We're not talking about that here. But pedophilia here, and what you're seeing here, um, it's a label not applied to gender, but age. Um, It has nothing to do with gender. uh, And the sexual violence that's perpetrated by pedophiles on their victims is is just devastating. So we're talking about sexual violence, um, you know, a a pedophilia. It's just not something that is, why would we need to represent that sexual violence in our schools? I just I don't know. Um, and I think that's, Mario, kind of what we're looking at here. Um, you know, in not that I'm pointing fingers at, at good teachers, because we need good teachers, uh, but which one of the classroom teachers read the book and thought that was a good idea to expose the children to such graphic uh, child rape, uh, to be so blunt on it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys have um, another section of this packet. So you you talk about the sexualization that's happening, about how, how ironic it is that these books are deemed inappropriate to read in school board meetings with adults, but they're somehow appropriate for our kids to read out loud, to have to write papers on. Um, and you've included, for anybody who's interested, they can go to your website and they can get all of this information, right? They can find videos. Uh, I'm gonna, here, I'm gonna put this on the screen. Can you guys just tell people what that site is?
2: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, so um, this this slide here, we're talking about parents just being uh, silenced and ignored. So we've, we've had easily 12 parents, um, you know, a dozen parents or so that have that have brought their concerns about different books, you know, before the school board. Uh, the district's response is that they've set up some type of vetting committee, um, but but really they're, they're hiding behind you know this this process, and um, and it's kind of a sham because uh, one of the things I think uh, one administrator said is hey since we've set up this process not a single book's been removed, but they don't realize that it, it's a very cumbersome process to get a book removed. Um, you've got a You've gotta file a grievance, and then if that gets denied, you gotta escalate it again, then that gets denied, and then you gotta escalate it again, so it goes through several rounds and and this process is not fast at all I mean parents might be inclined just to throw up their arms before they have a chance to get all the way through it but but there they have created a process it's just just cumbersome it's slow and it's it's a different process for library books versus um Versus in classroom material. So, um, and and you could end up being confused as to which one I'm supposed to pursue, you know, to get this book out. And, And so it's just, it's just kind of a sham.
0: So if they go to your website, they can get information on how to push back if they want to on this issue. Is that right?
2: Uh yeah yes they can it's just um it's it's still a process that we're trying to familiarize ourselves with it's I'll say it's a little bit fluid I've you know I've had just as recently as last week um, an administrator reach out to me to talk about this process so we're starting to get clarity but it's still you know a slow process mm-hmm. um, so but reach out to us um, I would say if you have concerns you can email us at gcisdparents at gmail and we can talk to you about it because uh, they you know, the district requires parents to read the full book start to finish before they can take the first step. And so if you just heard a little excerpt from it, then that's not credible enough for them to consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay. but get in contact with us and then we can tell you uh, what it's like. And, and the more parents we have, you know, raising these issues, um, you know, will will create some momentum or even like we mentioned, um, coming to the school board. They do not they do not like hearing from these parents. And talking to school board because then they have to address it in, in their meetings and and it causes them some homework on the back end
1: and though i will say though that because we brought this up because we are pushing them um there has been movement we you heard earlier where the books were moved up from ninth and 11th grade to the higher higher grades though so that's because of parents seeing something and saying something um it's working if, if you're if you're thinking you don't matter you do matter right your your opinion matters your voice matters um being involved in in your child's education is what will make those incremental steps become giant leaps right um this is where we need to be
0: yeah okay i'm going to move through this slide because i want to get to the third part um You've also got a section here on, before we get to the third part, books promoting sexuality for for minors. And so this is a, these are different kinds of books. This is, these are for younger kids. Uh, Do you want to talk about these or we want to go to the CRT stuff?
2: Yeah. Let me just touch on it briefly. So uh, this, this book here, Drama, it's, this is a, 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 a visual book. It's a graphic novel of, of, you know, of homosexuality um and so and this is one of the top rated books uh, there at you know at heritage middle school and so um beyond magenta is you know it's the book lower on that page it's you can read about uh about a transgender you know child and how he talks about his experience you know having oral sex with boys and also um you know uh girls and things and and so and they, they want to create a safe space to talk about all these things. But you got to remember, when you create a safe space for one group, that creates a dangerous space for another group that doesn't want to be exposed to this sexuality talk and gender identity in school. So that's the danger when you're trying to open this up to uh, to make it safe is that you're putting another, you know, group at, at risk here.
0: Yes. I would also add just to that part, and 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 <laughs> this this excerpt here from Beyond Magenta also inappropriate for middle schoolers. Um, he's talking about pedophiles touching themselves while talking to him, and it's just it, it, not not appropriate for high schoolers or middle schoolers. And it's being this is being um, given to kids who are younger than the age group we we're talking about before. So
2: yeah, and, and let me just say this: there's a uh there's something that we came across just a couple of nights ago that got shared with us. Um, it was, it was a sixth and eighth grade survey and, um, yeah. and it's where it specifically asks the kids, uh, have you had sexual intercourse? And then secondly, it asks them, have you been involved in sexting? And, uh, you gotta ask, you know, why does the district need to know this of, of middle schoolers? Um, you know, and it I means it's, anyway, it's just, has you wondering, and we're, we're exploring that, you know, that right now as to, you know, what the context is, but, but it is a survey that went out to sixth and eighth, eighth graders.
0: What they're doing is they're introducing things that affect a small percentage of students. They're introducing it to all students. And that's very similar to how they're introducing uh, transgenderism as well. Transgenderism, historically, it's been a fraction of 1% of the population has had to struggle with trans issues of feeling gender dysphoria as if they're born in the wrong body. What they're doing now is they're introducing that topic to children as young as kindergarten and saying, hey, this is something all people need to grapple with and figure out. Like, were you born in the wrong body or not? And we've seen... Thousand percent increase in the number of kids who are now claiming to to be trans or to have some type of uh, gender dysphoria or issue with their bodies, and and it's it almost reminds me of uh, it almost reminds me of social contagions when I was young. It's been a while, but in the there, there do you guys remember there were uh there was a skyrocketing number of of girls who were dealing with anorexia who mm-hmm. were girls who were cutting when these things became popularized in in pop culture and in the media then it was like everyone sort of it it, it caught on like a contagion and it reminds me of that a bit
1: yeah when you different... redefine sorry Mario, go, go ahead Aaron. go ahead well so when you redefine the criteria for being in that oppressed group right they' I wouldn't even say they're oppressed they're really not but you know some people find that you know when, when you when you broaden the scope of that and say now now that I've said it's either this or this and it's not just this and you fall outside of it but it's, it's this now you fall into it so aren't, are you sure you're not in here and they go well I guess I am and so then now that is their identity and so well it, I must be because you know this person of authority, Outside of my, my perhaps their parents too. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Even a person of authority who has led them to this thought um, is now encouraging um, some ideas that weren't there before um, by yes. redefining what it used to be.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to add this one piece. Uh, there was a a lady that spoke at the school board. I think in the last you know few meetings, that said that um, she's talking with uh, a student who said that she was bisexual. And as they began talking about it, uh, the she's like, so you like boys and girls? And she's like, no, actually, I just like boys. And they go, well, that's not bisexual. You know, that's that's heterosexual. But thing is, like, this girl didn't necessarily want to identify as heterosexual because that's not cool. You know, it was yeah. cooler to be bisexual than to be heterosexual. And and that's that's you know what we're doing is we're creating an environment where you know, kids, you know, it's not cool to be, uh, to be normal. It's, it's cooler to be abnormal. um, And it's just a sad, sad place to be at.
0: Well, that makes sense because again, this ideology is it divides everyone into these identity groups and it, and it assigns you social status based on these groups. And so within the belief system, the more of the oppressed groups, you can check off the more of a voice you get Hmm. to have, the more power you get to have. And so you're incentivizing children to want to be in more of the oppressed groups. It's a social currency.
1: But why do you want to be in an oppressed group? Why would you want to be in a, a group that is being oppressed from a, a larger majority group? Um, you know, if we, if, if we back up, um, are we talking about a conflict theory? Are we talking about a Marxist conflict theory? Uh, to, yeah. to what end? What what's the goal of cre- of creating these conflict groups? Um, within, I, I think you can. I don't want to lead you down a line a period of thought, but I mean, do you not? Are you not oppressed in order to overthrow the oppressor? Is that not the point? You're just supposed to stay there. So so there's this there's this larger thought concept about why we want to be in these oppressed groups. Why we're trying to get children into these oppressed groups? Um, it's yeah. a lifelong struggle for them, uh, and then they're ultimately changing um, some traditional values that. have,
0: um, yeah, and 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 regardless, I know some people don't like jumping into the the more academic roots of this belief system, and I do think it yeah, has, has roots in Marxism, has roots in postmodernism. And you don't even need to. If that doesn't interest you, what are the results? It's poisonous to kids. It yeah. it is it is um, manipulating their their idea of themselves, of their identity, and it's separating them from other people because it tells them you know, we must judge and treat people differently based on what group they're in, based on what race they are, based on what sex they are. And I mean, it's racist. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which moving on, uh, that's the third part that you cover in this, in this packet, which is the the infiltration of CRT, critical race theory into the um, GCISD.
2: Yes. And so we have school board trustees that, uh, and even a superintendent that explicitly say there is no critical race theory, uh, in the district. It is not in the ticks as they say, you know, and, um, uh, but, but here this book, um, not my idea, a book about whiteness, uh, talks about how students, you know, at the end it has a student sign a contract with the devil binding them to whiteness. So I wanted to read that, that contract, you know, cause I, I think, um, You know, we've got a picture of it there on the page, but I'm going to read it for those who can't quite see what it says. It says, contract, binding you to whiteness, you get stolen land, stolen riches, special favors, whiteness gets to mess endlessly with the lives of your friends, neighbors, loved ones, and all fellow humans of color. And then it has a little excerpt to the side for the purpose of profit. And then you sign uh, your soul and um and I, you effectively write your name there. and so uh, that is all the basic components are right there of critical race theory. um you know, being an oppressor, I mean I don't know it's they're making light mm-hmm. of it, but it that's horrible. Um,
0: this is when you guys told me about this, signing a contract with the devil, I thought I thought that was a euphemism. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: I didn't know it was actually in the book. <laughs> <laughs> that is
1: a text from a book in a school,
0: <laughs> yeah, to give this to young kids and tell them that they're they're evil, that they're profiting because they're white, that they are taking advantage of their friends and family members who are not white because of the because of their skin color, that is so deeply racist. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to address for your point about these people say that critical race theory is not in schools. They are liars. They're liars and they need to be called out as liars. Um, there's a difference between what they're doing is a bit of a sleight of, of hand. There's a difference between theory and practice praxis. They're not teaching critical race theory as a theory. They're not sitting down with third graders and saying, this is critical race theory. Let me tell you what the tenets of it are. What they're doing is worse than that. They're not teaching it as a theory, they're doing praxis, they're bringing, they're implementing the conclusions Mm -hmm. of the theory in the classroom and applying it. They're applying the theory in the classroom. That's so much worse because now you're telling kids, hey, we need to look at people first and foremost as a group member of what race they are and then judge and treat them differently based on that. And we're gonna assign all these negative things to you if you happen to be of this race. It's deeply racist.
1: Intersectionality is really how it's applied, um, by putting these people into groups and thinking in terms of power and dynamics and people's positions relative uh, to that of their identity, for identity politics, uh, identity purposes, it's all. It's all that. So that's what someone says, you can't know if it was reasonable to, or fair or good um, or bad without knowing their uh, racial position first or their, uh, or their oppressor group first, right? So you have no voice if you're in oppressor group X. Um, but if you but if you say the same thing and you're in uh, a a press group, why? Then that's okay. Um, yeah, and, and critical theory, by definition, is uh, has to be put into social application. I mean, th- there is no other scho- scholarly um, theory that has an activist element like CRT does. Um, yeah. it, it's a it has to be by by its definition um, put into practice. Yeah.
0: Mario, do you want yeah. me to go back to the packet, or do you do you have something to add on that? Oh
2: no, no. I mean, yeah, we can go back to the packet. Uh, I was actually just gonna, you know, highlight the other book that was uh, that's available uh, in all middle schools. That that first one is just at Timberline Elementary, but but stamped for kids is Ugh. the um, is the kids version of the adult version of the book, you know, by Jason Reynolds and Ibram uh, uh, Ibram X Kendi, who uh, talks about uh, how to be an anti-racist, how to be an activist, and uh, it's it's got everything uh, you know. Systemic uh, racism uh, replaces equality with the word uh, equity. Mm-hmm. Um, but and as we were talking, I guess earlier this week, you're 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 familiar with uh, the works of Kendi and, and and his thoughts.
0: Oh yes, so he's one of the the CR, the people who push CRT who. Um, I kind of so I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but having been in this belief system for two decades, it functions a lot like a cult. It does. We don't we don't think of it as a cult because there's no charismatic leader. That's the one qualification. It doesn't match. But I challenge anyone to go look up a, a checklist of cult characteristics and it matches almost all of the others. Um, and one of those things is that it it discourages people from reading anything or investigating anything that's not approved cult literature. Um, it, it encourages people to cut off contact with family members who are not part of the ideology. You're shamed for asking questions, for questioning the belief system. Um, and instead of one charismatic leader, it tends to have these different, my friend calls them high priests and priestesses of the movement. And Ibrahim X. Kendi is having his day. He's one of the high priests right now. He's speaking from on high about this, and he says, like a lot of them, he says that um, in any interaction, the question is not whether racism occurred, it's how did racism occurred. So they're teaching kids to come into every situation believing ahead of time that racism is involved and how do we find it. Sorry, that was a bit of a rant. He, He really bothers me. (laughs) (laughs)
2: well, you're in good company
0: (laughs) this one i almost find this stuff i mean it's hard to pick i mean it's choosing between two evils the sexualization part or this this is this is so thoroughly evil what they're doing this almost bothers me more because they're 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 pushing this on on kindergartners. He, he's written a book called Anti-Racist Baby. Anti-Racist Baby is an anti-racist itself is another word for racist. Just, yeah. That's that's what it is. Um, they use Orwellian language. They come up with new terms. If you're a parent and you see words like anti-racist, equity, white privilege, male privilege, you know that intersectionality, you, you know that you're dealing, you've now touched a part, like the tip of the iceberg, a part of this this cult, this social justice cult, in my opinion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a belief system. I I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It it is a belief system um, that that you, that it permeates your whole life and and to, at least for white people, you'll never uh, kind of repent enough uh, for your whiteness um, because it is who you are.
0: Correct. And it's also thoroughly racist towards people of color because it, they, they, they lay out all these characteristics and say, these things are part of whiteness, things like meritocracy and being on time and being able to complete tests and, and being judged on your, your effort, Uh, individualism, hard work, um, you know, the, the nuclear family, these are all a part of whiteness. How racist is that to push that and say, we're going to have to change standards because people of color can't, can't make it to class on time, can't do tests, can't compete at a level with white students. That's, it's, it's so racist towards every group. And to put this poison into children's heads and to tell them at a young age, you know, one of the things they get right in this ideology is I've seen them say uh, children are not born racist. They are taught to be racist. They are teaching kids to be racist. They are teaching them to judge and treat people differently on the basis of what race they are sorry i'm
2: done with my rant Uh, no no you're fine so um if we if we move to the next slide you know we talk about critical race theory you know in the classrooms and the point here that we want to make in this slide is um is there's uh critical race theory at the elementary level the middle school level and a high school level it it is throughout Uh, now at, at the elementary level though what it looks like i mean there was um now at, the, at one point because when we raised uh we started you know you know putting some pressure on the, the, the board i think they may have took it out but at one point you know kids are the elementary kids they all get an ipad and so there's a there's an app that was called brain pop which is you know just kind of educational uh application but in there they would tell like blm they would have Black Lives Matter protest stories and things. And at one point you could, uh, they had a, a Minecraft version of, of uh, Black Lives Matter that you could build a city and then destroy it. And, um,
0: what? <laughs> yeah,
2: so, and um, anyways, I think they, they took that out. Um, and so, but then uh, in middle school, that's when, you know, there's, there's a teacher there that teach, teaches concepts of critical race theory, you know, uh, specifically like intersectionality, the identity wheel. Uh, this is through one of the AVID programs there, um, and in the high school, there's uh, one of our parents, you know, spoke about how um, there's an English class that features uh, this speaker here. Uh, I think is it Kamala Jones. And so, but if you listen to that video, which this video is mentioned in the syllabus uh, for next year, I think it's a a senior grade level. uh, You you listen to everything she has, has all the components of critical race theory. Um, And so, but. And this is at
0: the high school level. This is going to be part of the curriculum.
2: It it is. Yeah. This, this video is referenced in the, in the syllabus for the curriculum. Um,
1: Part of a section of uh, I forget what the section is, but yeah, it's a section of the the course.
0: Wow. Um, you've also got a, a a thing here on what they're what they're um, how they're putting this into lesson plans and in, in, in their training for teachers.
2: Yeah, so uh, the district is uh, has teacher trainings um, that explains critical race theory and then provides exercises you know for teachers you know you see it there uh, a taste of theory Um, we've got different things here the uh, diversity advisory council has videos about how racist am i four steps to to bust unconscious bias Uh, so all these trainings you know are approved by executive leadership and then they're taught to the teachers and then they're uh, you know they, they practice them and and so um, Anyways, it's it's you know it's it's just shocking to me that they deny it when it's like in these teacher trainings for them to go out and and you know apply it in in the classrooms. That, right, right. Sorry, please.
0: No, I, I was just going to say what? that's that's exactly they're they're actually teaching the theory to the educators to the administrators, and then those educators are applying it in the classroom. And that's how it's, that's how you see it in the classroom It's application.
1: That's exactly right. Actual application. Uh, because if you're teaching the teachers, it's not that they're the content is just sitting in the uh, late, you know, uh, lately in the schools in the classroom libraries yeah. It's being actively engaged by the teachers.
2: And I think that was one argument that, that they made for Whitfield, you know, when he, he brought this training two summers ago was that uh, the, the training they said was, was taught. Two teachers and not two students. You know, as if we were supposed to believe that it was supposed to stop there, and they were not going to take that and apply it into the classroom. They said no students who attended that training. It was just just teachers, and I mean, you just got to you know got to be incredibly naive to believe that Win-win. it was to stop yeah. there. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. They would not tolerate this if it were a theory like creationism being taught to teachers and teacher trainings, and then teachers seeding that in all of their classes, that belief, that belief system. um, I I think that parallel is important because a lot of people, no matter if they have religious beliefs or not, that, that, that people seem to be in agreement that it's not the role of government tax funded schools to push a belief system in the classroom, that the classroom is not for moral instruction. for academic instruction and so this is a form of this is a belief system they are doing moral instruction their version of morality which is i would argue is racist and sexist and they're they're experimenting on children in this way with instilling with them with these beliefs
1: yeah i mean the 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 basic concept is not a new concept you know the way we're talking about earlier and the racism i'm sorry the uh the marxism i mean that's not a, a it's a what is it, now going back a hundred years, you know, fifty years, hundred years, um, to kind of getting these ideas mainstream, and so we're kind of seeing this down now to our children. Um, what do we talk? Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, what else did you guys want to touch on in this packet, or do you want to talk now about like what it is you're asking of parents or anyone who's concerned?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I can, I can. So obviously, we've touched on the components of this packet, you know. Uh, The crusade against conservatives and GCISD sexually explicit and reading materials, the grooming of of um, of our kids here. And then we talked about critical race theory. So uh, the ways that you can help um, is first off, first, foremost, you know, early voting starts April 25th. Vote for the candidates who will protect the kids. Those candidates are Tammy Nakamura and Kathy Florence Spradley. Those are the two um, candidates that we need to get over the line so that we can uh, start. We have a better take to control you know, what is going on here. Um, woke ideology is, is destroying public education. Uh, so if parents are looking at what else they can do, attend the board meetings, uh, participate, you know, with the schools, you know, volunteer to be uh, on the advisory committees, um, you know, come join us, GCISD parents. We are a very grassroots group that, you know, we were all, we all had a common interest last summer by, by getting together. I met another parent who invited me to another parent's home. And and as I was there, I was just, you know, we all had common interests. And then we're just kind of spread. We started inviting more parents. And so really it's just, you know, parents who just wanted to stand up, their kids, to protect their kids, to make sure they've got a teaching environment that we know is safe for the kids. And, um, and so, but if you're looking for ways to get involved, email us at gcisdparents at gmail.com. Uh, donate to Tammy and Kathy's, you know, campaigns right now. And um, if you have any questions, you know, please email us there. You can get in contact with me. I'll be happy to talk with anybody about this, and I'm sure Aaron feels the same way.
1: Aaron, yeah. Whatever you want to add. Well, I, I would say that be involved. Um, if you see something, say something. That comes from both sides of the you know, non-political aisle of the GCISD board. Uh, you know, where, uh, GCISD, the Board of Trustees is, is not a uh, Republican-Democrat board. Um, but it, it, it is a, if you see something, say something. The reason why we want to be involved is because there are voices out there that need to be heard. Um, if you think you're alone in what you're feeling or if it just doesn't even feel right, they are. there are people that are probably thinking the same way you are. Um, and so the more we get our voice out there, the more we know uh, that there are other people like us and then there we can affect change um, in a positive way. Uh, we've already seen Little steps here in the in the district, um, but there's more to go. Um, but yeah, on the tenants that Mario already spoke of um, about what we really fight for, let's let's kind of join together and and make a make a difference in the community.
0: I wanted to highlight something you said about this destroying woke ideology, or as I, I call it a lot, social justice ideology. It is destroying our school system, and you guys can see hard evidence of that in your in the test scores in your district, can't you? <laughs> or am I not you, supposed to talk about no, this no no you're, <laughs> you're right
2: so i mean that's that's just a whole like we could have added like a whole nother section here uh to get into the academic aspect of of all of this um and so but yeah you, you're right the the school system has gone uh so far to focus on social issues that academics have have just gone through the floor so yeah. if you look at uh the way academics have you know over the last ten years, the uh, GCISD was regarded as as, a, as as an elite school district, uh, but now we rank like in the four hundreds. Whereas before we were like maybe in the hundreds, somewhere around there. Now we're in the four hundreds out of maybe sixteen hundred uh, public high schools in, in Texas. So, um, you know our, you know that's. But you're right. There's too this- much emphasis on some of the social emotional learning and not enough on academics.
0: Yeah. And this trend started before COVID, before the lockdowns.
2: Uh, yeah. This this has been, uh, you know, going on for some some number of years now. Um, yeah. So we're trying to right the ship.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm so impressed with what you guys are doing. You're just a group of, of parents who came together, as you said, a grassroots group who's like, we have to take this excuse me into our own hands and personally i've gotten to the point where i don't know this is just me i don't know if national elections matter that much in the grand scheme of things but i've i'm i truly believe that these local elections this is where you can do the most change and this is where people need to be focusing their attention is on the city council races and the school board elections and so i just want to thank you for being a texan that you're standing up for kids and protecting kids and protecting their education and and standards of of academic excellence you know for children so thank you for what you're doing thank you for speaking out
2: yeah well thank you Carrie for taking the time to you know talk with us about this so that we can make people aware you know what's going on so we appreciate you giving us a voice here
0: Yeah, everyone, I'd say go to GCISDparents.com. We're going to put the link in the description. They have a whole wealth of information. We couldn't even cover all of it in this. They have video clips. They have uh, the packet, which we went through today. And and you can get background info. You can ask them questions. And a a special appeal to any liberals that this may be sent to. This is not a liberal and and conservative issue. (laughs) Don't let people trick you and fool you into thinking that because I'm a liberal. I don't, if you're not familiar with my channel, I talk to liberal other liberals all the time. What we oppose social justice, we oppose woke because it's not liberal teaching kids to judge and, and treat one another differently on the basis of race to, to come into contact with people and immediately filter who they are through this lens of like what identity group they're in. That is, that is not liberal. And so I'd say if you're if you're a liberal parent who's watching this and you're maybe on the fence about what you think about it, um, it, you don't have to feel like this is a right left thing. It's not. It's not. I think it's a are you for racism in the schools? Are you for indoctrination of of children and sexualization of children or are you against it? And there's a there's a lot of us liberals and conservatives, both who are standing against this and speaking against it. So that's my appeal. So anyway, (laughs) Great thank you, talk. guys.
1: All right,
2: um, thank you,
0: any final any final thoughts?
2: I think I've already said my piece. Uh, unless yeah. Aaron has anything else to share.
1: No, I, I. You put a bow on it with your last uh, statement, Carrie. Appreciate your your time with us today and, and helping yeah. us get our word out there. Okay.
0: Well, thank you guys very much again. The election the the voting starts on April twenty fifth and runs through May seventh. Thank you, guys. All
2: yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you.